Welcome to The Chat. My name is Leah Summerglue. Each week on The Chat, we shine a light on the lives and careers of UTS alumni here at the 2SER studios. This week, my guest on the show is Peter Gould, who is a designer and entrepreneur. At the age of 19, Peter went through a spiritual journey that's quite unusual for a white male Australian from the southern suburbs of Sydney to go through. Let's have a listen to his story. So tell me, where did you grow up? Where did you go to school, that sort of thing? Yeah, so, so right here in Sydney, uh, around sort of southern Sydney area. And uh, yeah, I went to high school there and st- I still live in that area. But um, yeah, very, very much feel like Sydney's home and always has been. So when you um, finished high school, you decided you wanted to study design. What led you to this path? Was it something when you were younger, were you always drawing, that sort of thing? Yeah, definitely drawing and just thinking stuff and playing computer games and, you know, just, I guess I I wouldn't really know how to phrase it back then, but I just I enjoyed that sort of intersection of um, visual design and graphics and then, you know, computers and technology and whatever it was back in the 80s. So, yeah, I just kind of followed that path, I think, and... What that meant is, yeah, towards the end of my high school, is starting to understand what is design, what what's a graphic designer, and like, oh, that looks cool. I want to be like that. So, and then yeah, just you know, getting into the uh, university. That's the path I took. So you specifically wanted to become a graphic designer, like even before you started studying. Yeah, that- yeah. I think I mean because I mean I used to basically in the I guess the nine, late nineties when I was in high school was it would try and collect and get anything that was um, design in arts related and computer like basically at the time it was sort of pre dot com so a lot of internet stuff coming in a lot of conversations around what is digital design or multimedia and all that kind of you know remember all that stuff if you were that. around then so yeah things like multimedia and like silly and graphics were like the coolest thing and uh yeah I just kind of felt really drawn to that and not really knowing I guess necessarily what the career path might be exactly but just knowing that I wanted to you know be part of that. Did you ever like um play around with those like early Adobe sort of programs back then? I I can remember the the day I first got Photoshop it's really geeky but this is this is back when you know that was pretty awesome tech um and uh, yep, I remember. Um, I was, I think, I was in like year nine, um, and just being able to, you know, play around with this and like, wow. And I was lucky that I had computers at home that were, you know, powerful enough to run that stuff. And uh, yeah, just really loved it. Dived into it. Started making all these horrendous graphics and like <laughs> horrible, like cheesy stuff. But uh, yeah, Using I got all the plugins and that sort of oh, stuff. Oh yeah, a lot of lens flares <laughs> and embarrassing bevel and emboss style uh, typography. Um, but what that led to is, I guess, even in high school, I um, people sort of started knowing me for that sort of stuff, and I ended up actually doing my first kind of freelance projects at you know high school for like you know cheesy posters for this event or that, and I kind of quickly realized like, oh my god, this is so much better than working for McDonald's, <laughs> which I was actually doing at the time. So it wasn't long until I kind of ditched that that uh, career and went straight into freelance design work. Did you get paid for that earlier sort of stuff from like? Yeah, yep. My first project. Um, funnily enough, this is so geeky, but I found not long ago the original invoice I sent for for twenty dollars for um, my class. I thought that's. A, I said like, uh, so like, I mean, two minds about it because one I was like, come on, you should have just helped him out and done it. But then the other hand I was like, no, no. Well, I had to kick off my entrepreneurial career, and I had yes. had hard costs back then. I had to cover with that twenty bucks. 
That's pretty good. What was it? What, what were you designing? Um, okay, so this is for all the geeks out there. It was a Magic the Gathering um, tournament, and my friend was decided he was going to run it. And this is like year 11 or something, I think it would have been, or 12, something like that. And, um, yeah, basically my job was to design the, the poster and get people to, to, you know, to chip in. And for him, it was a commercial venture, so now I guess it feels I don't feel so yeah, bad about no. charging for it. Of course. <laughs> So what was your time like uh, at UTS when you studied? You studied, um, so it was, in, it was an industrial design course, right? Because they don't do sort of pure graphics here. Yeah, so um, I had a really positive experience. The, the course, um, so back then it was, it was Bachelor of Design and then there were different sort of, um, I guess, majors or kind of specialisations. So um, there was like visual communications and then the one I did was industrial, you know, in brackets industrial. Um, but there was so much commonality back then in the first couple of years and I'm sure now as well. Um, so technically it's sort of think around product design. So there was a you know, stronger focus on the processes and um, you know, projects that were sort of geared around things like you know, cars or chairs or you know, manufacturer. Yeah. But I always gravitated heavily towards um, the visual aspects, the design, the conceptual work and the technology, I think. And is that the sort of stuff that you do now? Yeah, that's that's a strong aspect of it. Yeah, sure. so I've I've um so I while I was at university, I started uh, well continued I guess you know freelancing and just trying to uh, although I had pretty much no idea what I was doing, trying to like create little um, design projects for people and and basically what you call graphic design, so you know logo design and little brochures. And back then, if you could make a website, it was a cool thing, right? You know, yeah. if you could, so you had to hand make your HTML and all that stuff. And yeah, so I started a little business basically doing that while I was at uni, which was. Uh, led to lots of late nights and lots of uh, adventures. Which has continued today, which we'll talk about um, a bit later on. Yeah. Let's talk about 2002. Something life-changing happened to you. Could you tell me the story? Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, so, okay, completely, I guess, unexpectedly, but but in hindsight, you know, you start, you know, making the connections. You know that, that phrase, like, you have to... Um, live life forward but you can only understand it backwards so um yeah i guess um in parallel to a lot of this creative work happening i had my own kind of personal journey and my own kind of spiritual path that sort of opened up and uh ended up you know kind of fully embracing this sort of path that you know kind of opened before me and uh that involved yeah lots of reading and thinking and trying to figure stuff out and uh yeah, you know, the part of that story resulted uh, in me actually becoming Muslim, which was not something that you kind of think of this white dude from southern Sydney becoming, you know, especially now today, 15 years later, it's very, you know, that word is kind of scary for a lot of people. So, um, but I had a very beautiful experience with it, and it's really about, um, it was just feeling very centered and grounded and feeling like um, a sense of gratitude, like it's basically you know, I've got all these great blessings and opportunities and things around me and I just felt like, you know, this is a way for me to, you know, be conscious of that and be, you know, be grateful, you know. So I, I kind of found that path. Um, and then since that time, it's been very much, my, a lot of my work has had this intersection, I think, of that creativity and spirituality together. Were you religious prior to converting to Islam? Uh, no, not really. I mean, I again, it's like thinking back, you look at things that I was drawn to and, uh, you know, I didn't have a particularly good or bad experience of it, but very much it was like the uh, a very, I guess, typical attitude, which is like just getting my opinions from The Simpsons and stuff like that and looking <laughs> at Ned Flanders and then saying like, oh, yeah, God is this angry old dude and, you know, that's, uh, 
you know, so that's kind of the that sort of the thinking that you know I was bringing. And uh, yeah, I guess I was surprised when I started meeting some some Muslims that actually, you know, were really cool people and were had this sort of inner calm or peace or something about them. And in Arabic, the word is sakina, but you could apply that to many other faiths. And it's just that sort of inner peace or calm or balance that I felt. Oh, that's so helpful to have, you know, and have this kind of daily let's call it a meditative type practice, you know, where you can just stop and reflect and just, you know, take take a minute out a few times a day. So, yeah, that was my um, that was my experience around it. And, you know, it's, it's such a beautiful thing that I, you know, continue. I'm very lucky to have that. What made you convert? Was there a catalyst? You sort of mentioned there were areas in your childhood or growing up that mm-hmm. sort of led you here. Yeah, I think it, well, at that, around that time, it was actually starting to meet some Muslims, like actual people. And at the end of the day, so much of our experience is about our relationships and people we, um, you know, we see things in others and you're like, wow, you have, you know, you're such a cool person. So I was meeting people at university that I'm like, like, how can you be, you know, someone that like it's so, you know, you're smart and you're doing great things and, you know, you're really proactive and very creative and forward thinking and believe in God. Like, how is that still even possible today? Like, I, that was the kind of approach I was bringing. And I realized that I think I was just framing it in a very um, sort of predetermined kind of way. And uh, when I stopped and reflected and just like scraped away all of the kind of the rubbish and so much media and so much kind of um, junk. And I was like, I actually just looked at the simplicity and the heart of this thing. And honestly, I, that's why I respect all faiths because like at, at the heart of all of those faiths is, you know, that some, that simplicity and that beauty that grounds that person and gives them that sense of balance and purpose in their life. So uh, for me, it was, you know, Islam was that path. Um, but I know there are others for other people. And there's a lovely Rumi quote, which is, um, you know, Rumi is like a famous poet and, and, and mystic that, you know, still very popular today. And he says that um, there are as many paths to God as there are people on earth. And so I felt like, well, my path was a little bit unpredicted, <laughs> but, uh, it, you know, that's the way, that's where it ended up. What were some of the elements of Islam that attracted you to it? I think just that, having that internal sense of, um, you know, peace like that, you know, so you know, Islam and the, in Arabic, you know, which I've now studied since a little bit, you know, the the root word Islam and Salam being peace is that, you know, it gives you that if you, again, just focus on the, the inner reality of it, on the simplicity of it, it's just being grateful. Like it's really just being grateful and being aware of all these great blessings and things you have in your life. And, you know, Islam just had certain ways of showing that gratitude that I, uh, you know, I, I you know have just kind of embraced, uh, but I, I I do appreciate there's other paths that have the, you know a similar type of outlook. So it's just you know whatever path opens up for you, that was the one for me. What happened after you converted? What what changed in you, or you, even in your relationships mm-hmm. around you? Yeah, well, it's a it's a fascinating time to look back to now that I've got you know a few grey hairs starting to appear, <laughs> and back then I was pretty young in the scheme of things. Like I mean, you know, now I say I'm pretty young, but it was like around. Um, so I was around like, you know, 19, 20, 21 when this kind of search was going on. Okay. And, uh, you know, so I'm trying to kick off a business. I'm trying to like, you know, finish my studies. I'm trying to like think about um, this whole new kind of spiritual dimension to life. And yeah, it was, it was a pretty, it was a fascinating time. Lots of challenges to overcome and uh, lots of inner questions to resolve. And, you know, of course, there's the external reality of what's going on in the, you know, the news, the global news, which you know, felt so at odds with my own, you know, personal mm. experience of, of the faith. Um, yeah, so all those things were, were kind of happening. And um, I think, you know, um, some things changed internally, but externally, you know, I'd like to think some of the bad habits I got rid of and took started to take on some new ones. 
Um, but like uh, what? Um, I think just being more mindful. Like, I, you know, I probably just felt prior to that maybe I was so self-focused and so self like, yeah, look at me. I'm gonna kick off this design thing. I'm gonna do this, and I'm you know just very kind of typical stuff, I guess, for for who I was and where I was at, at that time. And um, you know, I think just trying to think about being a bit more mindful. It's like, hey, there's a much bigger, wider world around me. There's a lot of people who don't have all the opportunities you've had. And when I started to travel, uh, particularly to you know, you know, Muslim-majority countries and some, you know, places that have this very classical Islamic kind of heritage, so places like Turkey or, or Syria or, mm. you know, in Mecca and Medina, these kind of places, you know, very different, extraordinary experiences from my own kind of upbringing in, you know, little old Sydney, and then suddenly you're in the middle of Damascus. Like, it was quite this incredible contrast that I think led to lots of, um, you know, kind of personal awakenings about, you know, your, your, your little tiny speck on the planet and the history of time, <laughs> you know. Absolutely. How did your family and friends react? Did it change your relationships? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a you know it's a it's a challenging thing to go through, especially if someone else is um, anyone else. Like if they're just kind of following headlines and and they're starting to equate your faith with like what they're they're reading just in headlines, then of course they're going to get a very particular view on it, which is um, you know which is understandable if if no one takes the time to sort of dive deeper and you know make sort of start making that inner make, asking those questions about what it really is and and why and so on. Um, but yeah, I mean, overall, I, I was very lucky, you know, I have had a, um, generally a good experience and, you know, I've got some great friends and, you know, they also had their own paths and challenges and working out their own identities and all sorts of things in that process. So, yeah, I mean, looking back, you know, I just, I feel very lucky that, um, you know, I had a generally a good, really good journey and, um, you know, overcame the different things that came along. You're listening to The Chat on 2SER 107.3. My name is Leah Summerglue and I'm talking to designer and entrepreneur, Peter Gould. You just mentioned you did travel abroad soon after you converted, so you went to the Middle East and, um, yeah, went to Fez and Damascus, Istanbul and Medina. Mm -hmm. Tell me about your these travels. What did you discover? Uh, it was this extraordinary um, series of journeys. So basically, my my kind of uh, pattern for for a few years there was like save up as much money as I can <laughs> in um, you know freelancing design work. Um, and be a uni, were you still a uni student yeah, as well? Yeah, it would have been on the tail end of that. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Um, and I extended my degree a little bit just to allow for some of the, the business doing well. And um, and then um, you know like spending all the money on flights and everything. And and uh, and then basically you know, heading picking different countries. So we'd go to Morocco for a month and just kind of you know try to like just absorb that environment and you know learn try and learn some Arabic mm -hmm. and you know try and understand the. Um, you know the uh, two things. You know the the sort of um, you know the the spiritual dimension of the the people there, and like you know what is it what is it that still after so long that the, you know these people still feel such a strong connection to their faith, um, and then the creative aspect, like you know artistically, um, l just falling in love with all these incredible design and architectural elements and layers. So, uh, and then trying to bring that back to Australia, like hang on, what does that all mean for me? There's this kind of Aussie designer Muslim guy <laughs> so that was uh, the travels were just amazing and you've learned Arabic you're you're, um, you're fluent in uh, the language I can I can definitely order some falafels at the local <laughs> shop um, I can get around a little bit um, I, I don't have a great technical Arabic speaking knowledge but I can definitely like you know have, yeah. cover the basics and you know make make your local shopkeeper smile <laughs> <laughs> And while you were overseas, when you'd go, would you partake in the prayers and that sort of stuff as well? Were you learning 
were you learning Islam as well? Yeah, I, I think while you were there. Yeah, I mean, you kind of learn a bit experientially, and and the thing is about all these different places is they have their own cultural kind of um, dimension that's quite different. So if you go to Indonesia or Malaysia, um, certain there's a certain thread that will be similar to somewhere like uh, you know Turkey or Morocco, but there's going to be very different kind of um, cre- you know creative and cultural sort of practices around that. So. What was so fascinating and, and fun and beautiful was to ex- explore and see all the different ones and to have the opportunity, um, you know, to spend some time in something that's centuries old building and then go to something brand new that's just set up and made out of old glass in Abu Dhabi or something and see that, wow, this sort of faith and then the people who practice it is so much, uh, there's so much more complex and nuanced than I had any idea. It's very different. It does seem different from place to place. What kind of inspiration did you gather from your travels? What did you discover? What did you take back? Yeah, I think uh, visually so much. I mean, just an extraordinary, you know, kind of sensory experience. And places like, for example, um, Granada in in Spain um, and the Alhambra Palace, which is, I think, one of the most popular tourist attractions, for example, in Europe. Um, But just having this feeling of visiting there and then seeing that there's a science and an an art behind the design and architectural experience. So it's not just the look of these places and the beautiful mosaics and geometries, but also the sense of, um, you know, presence and the sense of dimension that... uh, I just started having these, you know, I was very lucky to have these experiences and see that, wow, there's there's so much more that the the designers of that time, let's call them, you know, brought in this uh, very strong spiritual influence in their work. And I was like, that's so cool that I didn't get any exposure to that through just my regular, you know, less quote-unquote Western-style graphic design education. So, yeah, huge influence from all those things. Yeah, how did your Western-style graphic design <laughs> change? Yeah, I s- coming back. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just a lot of experimentation, and you know, I, some of the stuff looking back now, I, I can't even look back at all, you know. But that's part of the process, right? Is you know, so trying to throw up. Well, you know, like what does Arabic calligraphy look like when you try and use it in uh, this certain way, or like how do you bring in um, aspects of uh, mosaic tiling or you know some sort of visual element that I was seeing and into a more contemporary kind of way, and not having honestly a lot of reference for for that. So there weren't a lot of practitioners that I could find online sort of trying to make that exploration. Um, there were a few like in London and I you know, befriended someone that I'm good friends with today who was like a pioneer in that. Uh, but it was just a really fun, playful time thinking about you know, what different design elements is existing there, what, how does that work when you, you know, have to create like a, a little graphic for this thing called Facebook that had just been just launched, you know? So things like that um, were just, it was a really creative time. Would you say that you're... I guess your spirituality informs your practice to an extent. Yeah, now? yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Very much. It's a strong influence, and um, you know, so there's, there's, that's represented visually in some ways, and other ways, it's uh, you know, just the in, you know, it, I guess at a deeper level, the intent behind it, and certain things that you'd like to, um, you know, have meaning to the work, and it's not just like you're selling like sneakers and soda and stuff, but actually trying to, um, you know, bring some sort of change through your design. So. You know, and that's different projects have different degrees of that. Tell me about Gould Sydney. You, it started as your freelance sort of job um, while you're still at uni, but it's now become a company. How's it changed over time? Yeah, it's so that's pretty. It's the same actual company that I yeah. kicked off when I was at uni. Um, it has it's gone on, undergone one name change, but uh, it's the same. It's the same ABN. <laughs> uh, it, you know, basically, it's uh, it, you know that came about from 
just I think you know trying really hard as a freelancer to just you know make it work so you know you have to sort of um, you know keep in mind I'm like you know 21 22 23 trying to like you know hustle design work from anyone I could kind of meet and um, you know figure out design on the fly and you know also cover you know all you know, expenses and everything so um, that's the, from that early stage of just freelancing and doing work for people. Uh, it's, it was you know, very organic growth, so I, I needed some help, you know, get someone, eventually hire them, um, and then you know build, and then the team now is, um, you know, has has grown really well. So we, um, yeah, most of our clients are now are, are um, international, uh, but we're based right here in Sydney. And who are your main clients? Are they? Do you work for a predominantly Muslim market, or do you work across? Yeah, we work across. Like it, it's a mix. I think that's one of the strengths of the studio. Like our team is, it's a mix of people. We have you know diverse backgrounds, and you know we we try to keep, you know I think that's the strength is you know diverse creativity um, to impact positive change. You know in whatever that might be. So yeah, we've whole, done a whole range of stuff from like government stuff here, um, you know local stuff to federal stuff to um, lots of different commercial things. Like you know, um, and then some that I think pick up on our particular um, types of influences. So. You know, like uh, Etihad Airways or a lot of stuff, for example, we do, um, you know, in Abu Dhabi Zoo, for example. So, oh, wow. <laughs> you know, ran- random stuff like that. Um, and, uh, yeah, most of our clients uh, are, are international from Middle East, uh, Southeast Asia and U- US, UK. What's your design philosophy? What what inspires you as a designer? You kind of touched on it already, but yeah. Mm, I think having that, um, if you can bring that sort of the best type of design is when it's it's like it's informed by a deep purpose or meaning. You know, it's not just a a design to try and create a story around. Hey, let's sell this new car or this new you know thing. Um, let's create try and brand you know brand story tell something around that. Let's design like a campaign. So I, I feel like that's sort of the more at the more superficial end of design. But you, you can have great design in that, definitely. Like you know, uh, and we definitely do that kind of work as well. But you know, the kind of design that um, can change someone's perception, or like you know, make someone smile, or ha- you know, how you how can you design not just the look of something, but the whole experience around it. So we worked on here, for example, um, an exhibition with the museum just around the corner here, Powerhouse Museum. Um, you know, creating and that was uh, you know celebrating. Uh, female fashion designers, you know, Muslim female fashion designers, and how do you help create the visual language around that, but also the story and the creative elements, and um, you know, someone there's half a million people that go through the museum. How do you make them smile and surprise them with something that they may not have seen before? How did you? Yeah. <laughs> how, how did it look in the end? Could you describe it? Yeah, so the design link, so that was called Faith Fashion Fusion, and it was very bright. We wanted to use kind of a lot of street, graphic street influence in it, uh, very kind of vibrant kind of color palette. Um, with these kind of sharp um, Arabic graffiti style elements in there and then you've always got all these cool um, you know fashion designers that kind of fit in there and um, that was the that was all sort of um, led and informed by um, um, amazing curator Glynis who out of uh, Powerhouse Museum or now MAAS uh, and our role was to help yeah bring that experience to life so you know things like the catalog the exhibition experience the the signage and how do you bring these stories of these, all these awesome women through and just kind of highlight that with some graphic language and features? It was it was actually really fun. Do you still go overseas to sort of seek inspiration as much? Yeah, it's been a bit harder with my three kids. Yeah. I have to say, in the in the last, <laughs> I definitely, tricky. yeah. Um, most of I guess the the most adventurous type of travel. Um, uh, you know, to places that you, you much harder to access now, places you can't even go actually at the moment. Um, unfortunately, I. Um, you know that's changed a lot, but definitely I, I need to travel a lot for 
for work, um, you know, to, to Dubai often, you know, I've been there quite a bit. And I had a really good sort of interim experience where I was actually in California for about a year. And that was really fascinating to be at the heart of like both the kind of, you know, Silicon Valley tech sort of scene. And then also these kind of Californian Muslims that were very kind of cool and like, you know, skateboarding to mosque and stuff like that and trying to, yeah, like see how they're identity, like they're so comfortable being like Californian Muslims. And they're just like, yeah, whatever, that's just who we are. And so that was kind of fresh, you know, for me to be exposed to that as well. Could you tell me about Zilej? Is that how I say it? Yeah, uh, Zilej, is that Zilej, how we pronounce it? Sorry, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, so Zilej is something that um, I, I co-founded um, last year. It's basically a startup based in Dubai, um, although the business itself had been a little older and we kind of re- reinvented and repackaged it into this thing called Zilej. And, yeah, it's really about um, bringing together design thinking and creativity and innovation um, for original types of products and experiences. So we're, we, we're just hit about our first year and we've launched our first set of products, which were board games for mm-hmm. kids and families. Um, and, yeah, so far it's looking really good. And it's marketed predominantly towards a Muslim market. What are what are some of the characteristics of a Muslim market for someone like me that yeah. might not know much? <laughs> yeah, well, it's something you wouldn't hear about often in Australia, people talking yeah. about. Um, so, for example, you hear buzzwords and phrases like, um, you know, the global Islamic economy. Like, what what is that, for example? So... And there's no like one sort of you know strict definition of anything like that. But essentially, if you think in the world today, there's something around like a billion Muslims or more, you know, depending on how you define it and all that kind of stuff. But just imagine within that, there's a lot of different types of there's all different ages, locations, you know, income brackets, all sorts of things. But there's there's certainly a few things in common, and many of them that I've met in my travels and you know workshops and experiences, you know, they might have certain aspirations. So going back to what I was sharing about with my own experiences, like certain aspirations or things, you know, that you want in your family or certain experiences. Um, and it's, so it's sort of cr- trying to create products and experiences that um, that audience would welcome, that market would, would love to see. And uh, definitely there's always been certain things, but um, in recent years you've seen a big shift towards, for example, uh, modest fashion and, you know, what is, kinda, you know, modest fashion or, you know, Islamic-inspired fashion, things like this. And um, so you have these big brands starting to jump into that space now as well, which is fascinating. There's also you've also uh, worked on projects like Islam Imagined and the Muslim Gift Guide. Is mm-hmm. w- how, what's your involvement with those? Yeah, so in the uh, I guess in my sort of journeys and travels, as um, as I was I guess trying to keep my entrepreneurial spirit, um, you know, well well kind of maintained through that, I was trying different things and experimenting. And um, just as I would see an, a need for different things, I'd you know try to you know create something that might help that, even if it was a very low-fi, simple sort of thing. Um, so I've tried you know like launching some of my apps and little platforms and things like that, and some of them have, have become pretty popular. So. Um, for example, Islam Imagined is um, just a simple kind of idea, but it's basically, um, if you're in education space, you know about STEAM, you know, STEM and then STEAM mm-hmm. becoming sort of that, you know, sort of more, you know, in, in bringing like design thinking and innovation and, and artistic sort of um, influence into, you know, education for young people. And so Islam Imagined is sort of like trying to bring in um, a faith-based influence as well. So for, um, you know, certain types of communities or, um, you know, parents or homeschoolers or uh, schools, um, you know, there's certain types of activities that might be fun. So, for example, hey, let's build a a mosque in Minecraft or, you know, let's, uh, if you had to, you know, asking a seven-year-old, if you had to create a mosque in space, what would it look like? And this is a fun activity to basically spark creativity, encourage imagination, um, and that's, you know, I, I love doing projects like that. Where would you like to see your design practice go to in the future? 
Well, I mean, I've spent a lot of time with all these kind of tech entrepreneur kind of guys, and one of the things that I do like that the thinking is, you know, hopefully becoming, which is, um, it's not about making a billion dollars; it's about helping a billion people. And you know, it's a little bit cheesy to say that, but I was like, well, you know, I'd, I'd love to have um, a big, uh, you know, big voice in, in helping. You know, it's not about for me numbers or, you know, certain things that.、Um, I don't kind of measure it that way, but I definitely know that in my own travels, there is a lot of people on the planet that、um, the kind of creative work and the kind of messaging and, and sort of faith-inspired type of、um, you know creative work that I'm doing it resonates with with lots of people. So I hope in some way they're you know able to continue doing that.、Um, but it's not, of course, limited to just、um, you know anyone that's from a particular faith or country. It's just Um, I know that at this point I can have like, maybe a unique, you know, voice in that conversation. But over time, yeah, just trying to,、um, uh, you know, bring design more into the conversation into lots of different areas. And design is really about change. So you know, at, if you're a designer or you're in design or you're in creative work, you have to try and think about how am I positively bringing change in the world through my design, through my creativity. That was designer and entrepreneur Peter Gould talking to me. That's all for the chat this week. If you like the show, you can subscribe to our podcast via SoundCloud or iTunes, or from our website, which is twoscr.com/thechat. The show is produced with the support of the University of Technology Sydney and TwoSCR 107.3. My name is Leah Tumaglu, and I'll catch you next week.